0: We're continuing in our walk in the Word. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Act the end of Acts 2, the beginning of Acts 3, which we'll get there in a minute, but if you want to prepare yourself, that's where we're going to go. And and he, here's what I, I want to land on today. Uh, if you've ever looked at, you know, the community, and if you've ever been discouraged by how things are in our world or people around us, and we think, you know, like, really, how do we make an impact? How do we change the things that we see in and around us? that we know that needs to be different. We know that uh, people are getting hurt and these things are happening. How do we make a change? And I, I think today, um, looking in the end of Acts 2, the beginning of Acts 3, we see uh, the church's response to the community. And so my, my, my one thing today is that when God changes your world, our world, it opens up the possibility for Him to change others also. We cannot expect our world to change just because we want it to when we're unwilling in ourselves to change. When we we look at the world and we go, man, I can't believe that they're this. And then we on the other end of that same comment are doing things in our worlds that we shouldn't do. We have to have something in us change. And if we want that, to happen. And this is kind of off of what we talked about last week. If you're here last week, we talked about the idea that God is, uh, the vine and we are the branches. And man remains in him. Uh, if we remain in him and he remains in us, then we can bear much fruit apart from him. We can do nothing. So the reality is, is that we have no, we have nothing in ourselves to make that change happen outside of what God gives us. And so let me, let me lead up. So what's happening in Acts 2? So we've seen the creator of the universe have so much compassion on his creation that he sends his son in the flesh to the earth to do exactly when he needed him to come. It was prophetically prepared. This is going to happen. So he sends his son here to the earth to do what we were unable to do. We have always been a people that have struggled to be what God has asked us to be. And so Jesus comes to the earth and he lives 33 years, has three years of ministry, and does everything in those 33 years that we should be doing, doing all the right things. And then he willingly allows himself to go to the cross to die for us, which was in the plan. So that we could have an opportunity. To have something more than just a desire to be connected to a loving God, but really have, for maybe the first time, a real relationship with the God who created us. And so Jesus has gone to the cross. He has gone to the tomb. So all the hopes and dreams of those that didn't get the big picture, which most of them didn't, I know all of us, when, when you read a story, the whole story, you always think, I would act differently. Like, I wouldn't deny him. Like, I would have been there. I'd have, you know, I'd have been waiting at the tomb, like grilling up, going, Jesus is coming out. We're about to celebrate. You know, cause we think we're better than the people that we read about because we have the big picture. Well, the big picture wasn't known. So Jesus dies. Everybody's kind of hopes and dreams kind of die with him. They weren't waiting there at the tomb. Three days later, just like he promised, he rose from the grave and began to present himself for the next 40 days to his disciples, and upwards of groups of 500 people, showing them his scars, teaching them, uh, still communicating what's going on. And if you've been reading along in the one-year Bible, you read through John recently, where you had 14, 15, 16, 17 is the high priestly prayer, but you get this big idea that God had a plan, he's working that plan out, and in there you hear the first promise of the Holy Spirit. You hear Jesus Tell his disciples it is to your benefit, and this sounds it doesn't sound silly to us because we know the bigger picture, but can you imagine telling your disciples that it it's to your benefit that I leave? The one they've invested their last three years of life into, the one they have really these huge aspirations in. It is to your benefit that I leave, because if I don't leave, the counselor, the helper will never come. And they're like, What are you talking about? And so Acts Two, where we're going to pick this up, um, they have waited, because Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem until I send the Spirit. And So they're in the upper room, they're, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit comes. The promise, the helper, the counselor comes. I mean, literally, with tongues of fire, which I know just seems crazy. Related. You know, but when, when God shows up, the fruit of what happens in there proves who He is. So people like Peter, who just days prior to this was running in fear, denying Jesus multiple times after he was told, you're going to do this, is now sitting in a room and the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes all of the believers in this room. And it's crazy. I mean, Peter, that's running and denying, after the Holy Spirit came, after the Helper, the Counselor comes into his life, he preaches his first sermon, and what's crazy? Even before that, there, there, you know, and there's, you know, I'm not, I know I mentioned the word tongues. Just come up after we'll give you. Okay, so. They, tongues, people are hearing. It is, it is strategically this time of year where all of these people, all of these Jewish people that are out from, from wherever are in Jerusalem. And they're from different countries, they speak different languages, and the Holy Spirit is poured out in His disciples, and all of a sudden they begin to hear the gospel of Jesus, the proclamation of who Jesus is in their language from these people that aren't of them. And, of course, it's like early in the morning and they're like, are they drunk? But I don't know many drunk people that begin to speak other languages. I mean, they may slur words, but like literally other languages, no. And Peter stands up and preaches. This man who had no power, who was running in fear, stands up in front of the group and he preaches a sermon to these people that have now gathered because something strange has happened. They heard it. People gathered. He preaches a sermon about Jesus. I mean, cutting sermon. I mean, he's literally telling them that they are the reason. And it was by their hand that Jesus, the Messiah, was dead. And he's closing up his sermon. We're going to pick it up in verse 36. Chapter 2. And he's closing it out to them. And in verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, speaking of Jesus, both Lord and Christ. And we, we think, I mean, not we, but you could think living in the South that like Christ was just his last name. It's Jesus Christ, right? It's his last name, like Heath Cadell. Christ was a, uh, a, uh, a, 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 it was a title Of who he was. That wasn't his last name. And so he's telling the people that... Because they understood the term of Lord. And they understood the term of Christ. And he's saying that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? Because they are of one people. They were there to worship the God who sent His Son for them for the redemption of their life. They were there to worship that God, but missed the Christ. And in this sermon that is now powered by the Holy Spirit, all of these people that are hearing this, they're... They're done for. I mean, it's, it's, it's past this point. It's not intellectualism. It's not just, oh, give me all the information. God, in His divine mercy, had reached in and began to do a work inside of them. Because they're asking, brothers, what shall we do? When the truth gets to our hearts, it changes everything. I think sometimes the truth can get to our mind And it can change some of the things in our mind, some of the ways we talk, some of the ways we interact with people, but until that truth gets to our heart, it doesn't really change us. It can sound like it changes when it's coming out of our mind, but until it reaches our heart, it doesn't change us. And he's saying, what shall we do? And and, and their response is, "We will." and their, their comment here is, we will act and respond to the truth that you've just presented us. And in verse 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Turn from your old life, your old way of selfishly living it, and put your trust in the real King, the Lord and Christ. And after this happens, God gives us access the power, to act on His behalf, to live for Him, which we talked about last week. We, if we're not connected, if we don't have that vine life, there is no life. I mean, we could be in and around the church and miss everything. We, we could intellectually say, yes, historically, I believe that Jesus was, blah, blah, blah. But until that reaches our heart, it doesn't do anything to us. It changes pieces of us, but it doesn't change us. And so in verse 39, it says, For the promise is for you, and this is talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, even those in Leland. The same power that resided in, in Christ that rose Him from the dead, we have access to. And it's not for us to selfishly use that power. It was just like last week. The whole purpose of being connected to the vine, the whole purpose of producing fruit is to bring glory to God, not to ourselves. In verse 40 it says, And with many other, sign, uh, in many other words He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and were added, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people. This is the beginning of the reason why we meet in Leland, North Carolina on Ville 121 Town Hall Drive in the Senior Center is because the church was born out of the power of the living God. The reason why things are still moving forward today is not because of our you know, ability to put this together. Seat so you can have comfort. The reason why culture, people, communities change is because that same living power that God gave His disciples. There would not be a church today. This 3,000 people that got saved weren't saved because Peter preached a great sermon. Truth. I mean, people can preach great sermons and great truth, but if the power of God isn't on it, there isn't change. When God shows up, lives are changed, period. And when God changes you, He changes, He provides an opportunity for others to receive the same thing because they see it in you. Change in us. I'm telling you, one of the things, look... You met anybody that's also a massive amount of weight, I mean like you you knew them before and you look at them and you're like, "Oh my gosh, like what what'd you do? That's usually your first question. What did you do? It's the same thing when the Holy Spirit gets on us when they notice, man, something's different about this person how did you how did this happen? When they see a marriage that was you know like not doing so well, and the Holy Spirit did something and the marriage is better than it's ever been, people look at that and go, what happened? When people experience healings and literally go, what happened to you? And be like, I, I don't know, God healed me. It, it changes our reaction, because when we see it worked out in others, and I'm telling you, and this, this stinks for us, because those closest to us know who we really are. We can pretend. I mean, here on Sunday, everybody's got, you know, good, clean clothes on, hopefully. And, you know, you can smile and get your kids to behave for like this hour and 15 minutes and you can get them in the car before it like blows up. But those around you know who you really are. I mean, really who you are. Your kids, your spouse, your coworkers. When they begin to see a change in you, Something is sparked in them look what 's getting ready and the whole reason why i 'm talking through this today is what is getting ready to happen and, 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 and what i 'm getting ready to talk through i 'm not asking you to do because honestly, the church is getting ready to get born. it is born there 's three thousand new believers that have just become part of the church it wouldn 't even call the church yet. They're, they don 't you know there was no Like, oh, where are we going to meet? Like, we're going to meet with this organization that's going to help us get ready to launch. I mean, it is launched. Community is happening. And there is something that is getting ready to take place inside this community that literally still inspires me. What they did, and I honestly believe what you see next is how you can know that there was real transformation in people. Because when God gets into your pocketbook, When God gets access to your possessions for him, something's changed. Because honestly, I mean, we we like our pocketbook. We like our our stuff. And this is not a message on you putting more stuff in that box in the back. I promise you. Look what's getting ready to happen. So 3,000 people get saved because God did something. And... What do you do with 3,000 people that are now saying Jesus Christ is the Lord King? And so in verse 42, it talks about uh, the the beginning of this. In verse 42, it says, And they, previous disciples and uh, those that believed in Jesus prior to this and now... 3,000 more people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And let's just say, like, I'm not an apostle. Like, you're not devoting yourself to Heath's teaching. The apostles' teaching are right here. like Because those were the guys who wrote what we have in our New Testament. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. They just had community. And, and one of the reasons why, if you don't know this, one of the reasons why our name is Reach Community Church is because I wholeheartedly believe, don't wholeheartedly know how this works out yet, okay? So forgive me. I wholeheartedly believe that without real gospel-centered community, that we will, you won't, I won't, will ever be what God's asked us to be because we need community. Like this is like the church began, and this is what's going on. They're devoting themselves to the Bible, to the Word of God, to the apostles' teaching. They're devoting themselves to fellowship, being in relationship with other believers as they go through, and we'll they'll talk about this in a little bit more um, in a second. They're breaking bread together. Let me just tell you like, it's hard to hate people that you eat with. I mean, because honestly, in some cultures. To break bread with someone else is, is, is a deep sign of relation. Like you don't just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna eat. Like it doesn't happen, especially in this culture that the Bible was written out of. Breaking bread was like a it was a big thing. So like after church, just invite somebody over to break some bread. I'm kidding. You're like, <laughs> everybody in the room's like, I ain't got nothing else. <laughs> you can go somewhere else. They were invested. They had now turned their life and said, hey, we're going to, from the way we were, we're going to change that. We're going to devote ourselves to the word. We're going to devote ourselves to this new community that we're in, to breaking the bread, having literal relationship with people and prayers. Verse 43, it says, and awe came over upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Can you imagine? And I'm not talking about, like, favorite clothes, like color, or favorite sports team. I know I said something about Carolina on the way in and Duke. Like, we're we're all, you know... I'm not talking about like, oh, no, no. Like, if there's real unity in the church, it's like we're all going to like one team. I'm not going to name that team because I don't really care. Um, But, you know, and I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the things that mattered. They had unity. They were together in that. Verse 45. And here's what happens. They had everything in common. This church was happening. The Holy Spirit was all a part of this. And then verse 45 was, is probably the craziest thing that you can do. And it, it, even crazier if you kept, keep reading on. Ananias and Sapphira, anybody, just like, if you've not read that, go into Acts later. You know, go sell some property and lie about it and see what happens to you. Okay. Just, you know, that, I, I don't have time to get into that, but that is a crazy, crazy. Just read, read, read on in Acts. And then verse forty five it says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them uh, the proceeds to all as any had need. So they had no, they were no longer just like, This is about me, I gotta make sure that me and my family are taken care of, but they were seeing outside of themselves because I believe truly the Holy Spirit had given them a passion for those that weren't in their family circle. Because in your family circle, in this culture, you took care of them, but outside of that, they're selling the things that they have, and and they're not, a, they weren't a possession-rich culture like we are. Meaning, imagine all the move. I don't recommend it. I hate it, but like move, and you'll realize how much stuff you have, how much stuff you've collected. But can you imagine taking these things that they're are your little treasures in your house? And going, man, there's a need. I'm, I'm going to sell this and, and help someone else out. I, mean, I, I think if our community is going to change, and I'm not saying, hey, go tomorrow and start selling all your stuff. And if the Holy Spirit moves you to do that, then do it. But that's not what my sermon is about. My sermon is, when the Holy Spirit interacts with you, you change. And the proof of that change is them selling their possessions and giving it to those who are in need. Because it wasn't just about them anymore. It was about this bigger picture of what's going on. God invaded all their lives, not just part of it. It wasn't just like, well, I'm going to try to be better in these three categories. God had taken over their life. They had submitted, surrendered to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if, if there was a need in this community that was God's, they were going to contribute to it. And look what happens. Out of this. So we've already seen 3,000 people saved. And not like, I think sometimes churches pad their numbers. And be like, oh. I'm talking about like 3,000 people said yes to Jesus. This was a gospel transaction that happened. And out of that transaction, people started changing the way they were before. And look what happens in verse 40, 46. 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, in the temple, church, in their homes, homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who are being saved. In a community that is surrendered to the power and work of the Holy Spirit, God has access to what's going to happen. Period. He, he has act Like when we surrender, He gets to have us participate in what He's doing because if we're not surrendering to Him, if we're not giving Him access to every part of our life, then it's like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like I love for those uh, potentially in this fall we will have another round of experiencing God. There. One of those things in experiencing God is, is that are you willing to have God interrupt your day? Are you willing to in the middle of you being in a hurry to when you feel like, man, I really need to stop and talk to this person. or I really need to, you know, whatever that is. Like someone's got a flat tire, even though I'm late, I'm going to stop and help them because I just feel this like this, this urge. It's crazy when we're willing to just say, God, my day is your day. And if you've got a job, like, don't be like, the Lord just called me away. I'm going to be late. I'm sorry. Let's be, you know, Um, I wouldn't do that on a regular basis. I'm not sure your boss would like that. Uh, But, you know, that access of just going, you know, is it my time or his because they literally, they're day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They receive food with glad and generous hearts, praising God for having favor and having favor with all the people. If the church acted like the church, now I'm, I'm not saying across the board, because there's some things that people in the world are never going to like because the church thinks or believes a certain way. But when the church starts serving like the church should, start loving people irregardless, serving neighbors and doing things for other people because God's motivating to do that, the culture and the community looks. And they're like, what is going on? And day by day, the Lord was adding to their number those that are being saved. Day by day, the church was growing, and the church grew exponentially. You know what happens a little bit later on in this church? In this community, God wasn't really interested in just changing Jerusalem. God was interested in changing the world. And so what did He do? All, All of these people in Jerusalem were loving Jesus, and they were loving the community they were in, and God sent persecution. And what did persecution do? Persecution scattered these new believers into all these new areas. And what happened? The church got into other places. It is, it is sometimes we need prodding to move us into areas that we don't want to go into because it seems uncomfortable. So here, here's some questions as we kind of round out today. And this is not to answer out loud, just for the record. Who is really leading your life? You. Or are you surrendered to this place and this person of Jesus and going, God, I'm yours? Because let me just tell you, I'll testify that the more I try to control my life and live it the way I want to, the worse it goes. You don't have to raise your hand. You can nod if you want to. But like, that's a truth nugget that just got dropped on you. Because you, you can you can strive and go. I'm going to try to be this. I'm you know, and we do it in our own power and our own strength. and it almost always, always, always backfires in our face because you don't have the power or the ability to do it yourself. See God when He told His disciples, wait. He knew that if they'd have ran off after they saw him, like, we're going to take over the world, it would have blown up in their faces. So if you want to see your world change, if you're looking at things going, I want, I want my community, I want my neighborhood to change, you are going to need help. And Jesus promised us the best helper ever. And this is back in um, John 14, 15, and 16, which we... I just made reference to a second ago. In 15 it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. This helper, this counselor. And then in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, He's making reference to this prior to the crucifixion, which He was in John 14 also. But Luke eleven thirteen, 13, it says, If you... Then who are evil Let me let's make reference. We are always in comparison to God evil. Because we just are. Like one 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 sin has separated us, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God, period. So it's not like you guys are evil. The guy who stands up here with the microphone. Like my poop still stinks. You know, I, I'm still still while well, I say stuff like that during a sermon, which, you know, it's just the reality. I, I'm, I'm, I am just like you trying to live my life for the best of my ability. And I love my children. I will give them as good a gift as I can. And so what he's making reference to, is says, if you then who are evil, don't, take, don't be okay with that, know how to give good gifts to your children. So if you love your children, and I don't mean like good gifts, like give them everything they want because there's some gifts your children don't need. I'm not going to list them. You'll have to figure that out on your own. Because I'm still trying to figure it out. As the older my kids get, I'll be like, okay, lesson learned. Allie's going to be perfect. So i got the older two that will figure this out. and Allie will just, you know, she'll have all of our attention. It said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Period. So if you're willing, because you love your children, to do everything in your capacity to give them what is going to make them healthy, well, well-adjusted, happy, and I hate that word, really, joyous people, how much more so will your Father in Heaven give you good gifts, which one gospel says that, the other one actually lists like this one in Luke, give you the Holy Spirit, which is the best gift that we can have. And so here, here's where I want to invite our worship team back up. And I say this almost every Sunday, um, but I, I want it always to be intentional. The, the reason why we have a song at the end is not to keep you here longer. The reason why we have a song at the end is because my hope is that the Holy Spirit is doing something in you that needs to be completed. It needs to be responded to. And I believe that the best time that we can respond to anything is now in the present. And so as we go into this song, I just want to ask you this question again. Who is really leading your life? Are you surrendered to the person of the Holy Spirit? Have you really said, God, I am yours? Just like they... um, Peter said to them, the Lord and the Christ, is he really your Lord and Christ? And if he is, surrender. And I know I understand it is a daily struggle to go, God, I, I want to trust and believe. I want to trust and believe. I feel like a lot of times we, we are like the father. There's a father, there's a story in the Gospels that comes to Jesus to have their child healed. And he was like, do you believe I can do it? Like, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Like this idea that we're, we're kind of almost bipolar in our belief at times. Like, yes, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And I, I think there, you know, that child was healed. I, I think there's an honesty that we can present to God of going, yes, I believe. Yes, in all of me, I believe you are who you said you are. That you are the Christ, that you are the Lord that came and showed our, showed us the love of the Father through what you did for us on the cross. And I trust and believe in that, but I need help. <laughs> and and here's the beauty of this. The help that he gives us is the Holy Spirit. The helper, the counselor that is there, that not only, like if you look at this and you're like, I don't know, like I read this and I'm like, I mean, I was going to say something that was almost heretical, trying to be funny, but I'm not even going to say that. I mean, there's some portion of this you know, the Holy Spirit has to translate, but the, the Bible says that God was going to send us this helper so that we could... He said He had so much more for us to know that He couldn't share with us that He's going to send the helper to give us understanding. Like, if you're struggling with going, oh man, I, just, I try to read, but I don't... Like, how, are you asking prior? Because God said that He would send His Holy Spirit for us to, to, to tell us what His Word is saying. And I don't mean like just to make up stuff. like I mean, it it will prove itself in the Word, but the Holy Spirit is what helps bring out of the Word for us this life that we need to ask. And so as we close today, my question to you again is, who's really leading your life? If it is you, and you're okay with that, that's fine. At some point, you'll be brought to a place that You want to surrender. If you want to surrender now, here's the beauty. Right now, in this room, we have access to the living God. Right now. Not later, but right now, we can have access. During our last worship song, we can literally go, God, I want that. I want you. The disciples, one chapter after this, Holy Spirit already came. Holy Spirit already poured out, was already doing its work. They were, per- they were threatened with bodily harm. Went to the temple. They're like, if you don't stop this, we're going to hurt you. And they leave and they go into a prayer meeting in Acts 4. And they prayed because they're terrified. They've seen what they've done to Jesus. And they, they prayed that God would fill them with boldness. The Holy Spirit came again, poured out on them. And there was a boldness that came in and through the Holy Spirit that they kept doing the work that God had called them to in spite of what may or may not happen to them. See, I, I I'm fully believe that our access to the Holy Spirit never ends. But I look at our vessels as like a, a leaky pot. We've got a hole in the bottom of it, and God pours out his Holy Spirit in us so that we can get through the day, and as we're going through the day, we're, we're leaking out these things that God is doing in and through us, these good works and stuff, and every day we need to ask, God, fill me. There's a, a great little story about this guy who used to go down to the river every day and fill up his buckets with water. And one of them had a hole in it and he felt very discouraged because he was wasting all these trips and was not getting as much water for for whoever he was taking the water to. And his master was basically like, look what you did. And he turns him around and, and looks at the path. And the path with the bucket that had the hole in it had these beautiful flowers in it because he was watering those flowers every day, going down and getting that. And that's our life. As we allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us, it gives us something to give back to the world. And that's what we're asking for. We're asking. So if you, you have the Holy Spirit, then have access to Him. Use the Holy Spirit. I don't mean like, you know, like, give me what I want type of use. I mean like literally saying, I need you. So we're going to pray. We're going to go into worship. Uh, sit, stand, kneel, do whatever you need to do. We're going to have people up front for prayer. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're here to help you any way that we can. So let's pray. dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that we right now have the option to experience you in a real and living way. Lord, your word that says that all we have to do is ask. And so whether it is for the first time or for the 500th time, Lord, we ask that you would give us the power to be your children. To walk out these gifts that you've given us. That you've prepared in advance for us, your children, to walk into. And Lord, if there's someone in this room that has never really trusted you and there's something in them today that is calling to that, them into that. Lord, I pray just like your word that that cut to the heart wouldn't drive them to desperation, but it would drive them to you. A God that has proven himself through his son that he loves those who believe and trust. That just like we learned last week, Lord, the same love that God poured out on the sun, the sun is pouring out on us. So, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we believe. But Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you help us with our unbelief. You help us be the men and women that you've called us to be so that our community can be changed, so that our families can can be changed so that our neighborhoods can be changed when they see the presence and power of the living God, that they would be drawn to you, that you would bring salvation to those around us, not because of us, but because of what you're doing in us. And so, Lord, as we sing, I pray that you would be honored and that you would be lifted high. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.